Today, we're talking to Richard from EverActive, all about the world's first battery-free IoT sensors. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Modern CTO. Hey, buddy, how are you? Hi, Joel. Well, it's pretty cool what you're doing, and you got a uh, recommendation through, I think it was Mike at Timescale. Yeah, that's uh, right. Is that a product you guys use of theirs or what? Yeah, exactly. So we use Timescale in our managed data service. They've been a great product for us. Why do you need them? Sure. Yeah. So EverActive develops IoT sensors. Our niche is sensors that don't need batteries. And one of the things that that unlocks is the ability to collect lots of time series data. And so Timescale is built on Postgres, and so, but it specializes in time series storage and retrieval. And so we actually use that as our main data store in our system. We use that for the access pattern where you know, users want to zero in on a particular you know, part of their data that we've brought their attention to. Uh, and so Timescale is great at, at that kind of query. Uh, we also use it in our, our analytics processes. You know, we'll, we'll look back over, you know, months or years worth of data for any given time series data set. So it's really core to where, where we're storing data in our system. Yeah, I love Postgres, magical elephant that stores information for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's what I call I loved it. That when the first time I saw it, I saw it operating on one of my friend's Macs and it had the little bouncing elephant going. I was like, what is that? He's like, yeah. oh, it's this database. And and then from there, you know, it worked really well with Rails and I kind of fell in love with it. But but I am curious, how do you do this? How do you make it without batteries, without like external power? Are you doing like piezoelectric stuff or what? Yeah. So the sensors are, you know, self-powered. We remove the battery. And so instead of having a battery, we're harvesting energy from the surroundings. So typically that's light using a photovoltaic cell, or it's heat using a thermal energy generator. And what makes that possible is that we're building and designing our own chips. And so on that chip, we've integrated an energy harvesting power management unit, which we just refer to as the PMU. And that can operate from you know, lower and lower amounts of energy with each generation. And then on the same chip, we've, we combine that with an always-on radio receiver, and we also have an ARM core, which is you know pretty typical for a microcontroller or an embedded system. But we've redesigned sort of the logic cells and the libraries uh, that the ARM is you know built from. So we license ARM, but we've replaced the building blocks that that it's made from. And so by bringing all of that into a single system on a chip, you know we can optimize really for power you know, for an embedded IoT device. Uh, so that so that it can be you know a self-powered energy harvesting sensor. Uh, so a lot of what we do is you know chase microwatts. We're we're concerned with every microwatt of of energy that's being used in the system. Because that's the big thing that's you know hold, holding up, right? Because some would say, why don't you just buy a if we're talking about vibration, right? Piezoelectric thing, buy a chip, stick them together. But it's a power consumption problem ultimately, right? Yeah, exactly. So the, yeah, your your average power, uh, the peak power, and the amount of energy that's available to you for your application. You know, light and heat for a lot of our customers are are great sources of energy because they're, you know, lights either already on in the room or there's just waste heat. So our, what makes our system unique is like you know if you touch the surface of the thing that you're measuring, if if there's just a, a couple degrees of temperature delta between, you know, so it's just kind of warm or cool to the touch, we can harvest that level of energy. How? 
magic? So a, a thermal energy generator as a, as a harvesting source, the voltage varies. And so, so what we've optimized for is at that very small end of the energy harvesting spectrum, it's a very small voltage. And so we've, we've tuned our circuit to be able to operate at those really low voltages. And that, that's something that no one else is doing. And then because the rest of the system is optimized, we also don't need as much energy you know, once it's harvested. And so that's, it's really combining those two into one system. Is this something that you just do for companies like projects or can I buy it myself? How does that work? Yeah, so that's, that's interesting. Our journey, we started actually implementing a couple of products end-to-end ourselves. And we, we just refer to those internally as our full-stack products. And those were focused on industrial environments, mostly like industrial manufacturing factories, big facilities. Both of them primarily harvest from heat. Uh, the first one is actually measuring steam systems. And steam gets used from you know, all sorts of industries, you know, chocolate factories, beer factories, pharmaceuticals. Uh, and so we're measuring a component in the steam system that when it fails, you lose a lot of water and you're just wasting energy and, and water. And so by just putting a simple sensor on there that can measure temperature, uh, we perform analytics in the cloud that notify the end users that the product has failed and that, hey, there's this opportunity to go save money on your energy bills. And so the sell there is that, you know, it pays for itself. So that's a product that, you know, we're actively selling and delivering today. And it's actually just recently, like in the last six months, that we've shifted our focus towards opening the technology up so that folks, you know, anyone can take our technology and build their own self-powered sensor, you know, using our the same technology. Uh, so we're in the process of that. And we just released our first eval kit just a few weeks ago. So I think this is where I put in my shameless plug that, you know, your listeners can can go to our website today and buy our first eval kit. You can also actually buy our self, one of our, what we call ready to deploy sensors. So the industrial hardened, it can measure vibration, temperature, humidity. You can buy that. If the sensor that we've already created solves your problem, then you can buy that one off the shelf. If you need a different type of sensing or a different type of harvester, you can buy the core technology and and develop your own products with that. So if I want to buy one, like an adapter, and stick it on my truck, right, as I drive around town and things like that, and we'll just output a bunch of information, what would it be able to do? So we're, we're not building any of the sensors themselves. You know, we're using something that's off the shelf. So it's, it's like a microcontroller development kit where you, you connect the things that you want to sense. So you, you find an off-the-shelf sensor that can measure temperature or you hook up a microphone or an ultrasonic sensor, really anything that you can connect to a standard, you know, electric bus like SPY or I2C, an analog output. And for our application, I guess if you put it on a truck, that wouldn't be the ideal application for us. You could still make use of our power management unit. You could still do the energy harvesting, but you wouldn't be able to take advantage of our radio receiver today. So that's I wouldn't. Why not? Because because the truck's moving around town, you would need a network to follow you. But couldn't do. You couldn't talk to my cell phone in the in the car. Not out of the box. You, you could add. Okay. You could add just the way the same way that you add a sensor. You could add an LTE modem that could talk to the the cell towers or to the radio in your truck. Uh, but the system that we have, we so I yeah I talked about the chip. We actually develop our own Linux appliances. Uh, which are the gateway to the internet for those sensors. So in an industrial environment, you know, which, which was our first 
target customer. You might have, you know, hundreds or thousands of sensors all in the same factory building. And so the, the Linux appliance, which we just referred to as the gateway, aggregates all of that information. It has an LTE connection for backhaul. And we actually, you know, that's part of the solution that we're providing. Uh, so we actually have thousands of those Linux appliances installed across the country, as well as in some other parts of the world, like South America, Europe, Canada, mostly in the United States. And there's actually a dedicated engineer on the team who, who manages that fleet of appliances. Interesting. So, so how do the chips, how do they talk to the appliances? Like is Wi-Fi, what type of technology are they using to talk and send data back when they're in the industrial environment? We're using the 915 megahertz spectrum, so 902 to 928 in the U.S. It's actually a protocol that we call Evernet. There's sort of two reasons for that. You know, one is that at 915, you get better RF propagation for your energy budget. That's just like the laws of physics. So at that frequency, you get better penetration through walls. You get, even if there was just air, you get you get a longer propagation in free space as well. So that, that scales with frequency. The other reason is we have an ultra low power radio. That's That's part of our differentiating technology. And the thing that's interesting about the radio is that it's so low power, it's like most embedded systems, the amount of power we're using would be in the noise. It would be like the standby, less than the standby current of your embedded system. And because it's so low, that means we can leave it on all the time. Whereas most radios, you know, would be a hundred or a thousand times more power. You'd have to, you know, turn them on and off. That's the reason for that. But there really isn't anything stopping you from, like I said, adding another kind of radio and using at least two thirds of the core technology. And that's, that's still possible. Does it have internal logging? Can you have internal data like stored on the chip? A certain amount, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's a trade-off of RAM and, and flash, essentially, the, the storage that you have available. So is most of the processing being sent back or is it happening? Do you have anything happening at the node? Yeah, actually, you can do quite a bit of processing on the nodes or, or at the edge. And so our vibration sensor, we're actually doing a lot of what I would call digital signal processing. So we're you know, performing FFTs. You know, we'll take a, a large chunk of samples and then we'll post-process them and only send the, the interesting metrics that you can derive from that sample. And in some cases, you, know, you might identify a sample that's really interesting. And so then instead of just sending the summary information, you could send the entire chunk of data sort of a little bit at a time and we'll reassemble that and you know, you'll have the sort of small file pop out the other end of the, uh, the system. Are you concerned at all that like GPT gains consciousness and uses your technology to enslave humanity? Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, we actually have a, a group that focuses on ethics. And, and so, yeah, we've discussed that, that topic Things like surveillance or, you know, monitoring people who might not even know that this technology exists and, you know, just, uh, you know, sort of underrepresented groups that might be exploited because of that. And so that was a big topic when we were switching to opening up the technology, because at that point, we're no longer in full control of what's possible. And so that's been discussions about ethics within the team We've had our key board members in on some of those discussions, so sort of at all levels of the company. And we have an, an architect who leads up what we call platform governance for Everactive. 
yeah, it's a little bit early. You know, we don't have a quite a platform yet. That's that's our aspiration. But we realize you can't kind of wait it until you're done to say, okay, now it's time to to think about the ethics and the governance of of the technology. So yeah, that's a real real concern, a real topic of discussion here. I like that you open it up though, because if you don't, someone will. Like this is definitely a technology we're going to see more and more and more of. Right. And you've got all these firms out there, all these engineering teams that they're not experts in, you know, low radio frequency, all this, all the little things you needed to get this to work, but they have the need for it. So by opening it up, I think that's going to quickly become like the largest part of your business. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's the dream. That's the hope of, of making it a platform. Nice. So the chocolate company, do you like treat them as your favorite client and visit them often because they're a chocolate factory? Yeah, they're definitely fringe benefits to to visiting. You get free chocolates. I also love the names that they have for their facilities. Like this is the toffee stretching room or the, you know, the peanut butter cup <laughs> facility. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like something out of a movie. Yeah, I love that. That's pretty cool. And are you one of the founders? When did you join the company? Explain that. I am not a founder. I, I joined Everactive about uh, almost five years ago. And we do have two founders, and they, they actually have the title of CTO. So they're co-CTOs. They're both professors, uh, one at UVA, one at the University of Michigan. Those two you know, founders, they've been researching the technology that, that we're taking to market since they were both students at MIT. Uh, so like a, a third of the team, I would say, is they're from a related research group, either at MIT, UVA, or, or Michigan, and so that's part of the fun, really, of being on this team is like we're taking what they did as students in grad school and, and we're you're making it reality. We're taking that to market. My background is actually wireless communications. And this is the second startup that I've worked at. And so what I've done is, you know, bring my knowledge and skills with with building IoT and wireless products to to the team here at Everactive. What did you learn from like a leadership career perspective at the previous company? Yeah, the previous company was the first time I'd worked at a startup. So I was, it was, you know, drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> I'd, I'd never, you know, done due diligence before. I'd never worked with that sort of VCs or, and at that company, I started at the very beginning. So it was just me and the CEO and, you know, we were building the team while we were still at our day jobs. And so it was just a huge learning curve. But I think, you know, there were lots of valuable takeaways, like, learning to build a team, learning to start things from scratch. And we had some initial customers. So just like the amount of effort you put into each customer and, you know, not all of them work out. You know, one might be <laughs> the most time-consuming customer. You know, you're constantly supporting them and, and that ends up, you know, not becoming a reality. Whereas you have a second customer who generally knows what they're doing and are, are doing a great job and and they take off, you know. That's how it goes, though. You're exactly the worst customers are going to want the most and pay the least, and your best <laughs> customers right. are going to pay the most and just let you do your thing. Yeah, exactly. What did you learn building a team? What's like the one takeaway from from building a team? Well, I feel like I'm constantly learning new things, and I think a big part of it is I think it's a bit cliche, but just like how important hiring is and how important it is to to bring the right people on. But then, you know, once you've hired someone, I think, you know, identifying their their strengths and where they will succeed is equally important. And 
I think when I'm able to do that, I've been very successful. You know, it's, it's amazing to to have that person, you know, just crushing it. You know, I'm learning from them as much as they're learning from me. Yeah, I think at that point, just empowering them, just like continuing to set them up for success and realizing that what motivates most engineers or most people on the team is is success. And that might be a little bit different for each person. There could be some concern that it's not aligned with the mission of the company. I, but I, I find actually in most cases, their definition of success is generally aligned with the success of the overall team. So just just identifying that and helping them to achieve it. What currently is your like definition of success or the thing that you're going after at the company? Yeah, well, right now it's... Like I would love to walk into the next time I'm doing an interview like this and just show all the examples of right how people are using our technology. You know, I want to walk into each boardroom like, hey, look at company X. They just built this new application with our technology. And the next time it's, you know, there are three or four examples and it's just growing exponentially. So it's really, you know, finding the pain that we're helping people solve and, and creating that solution for them. So those first kits just shipped. And so you're waiting for those stories, right? Yeah. When do you think you'll have some of them? Ideally in the next few months. I, I would okay. like to I think we'll be there. We'll have the first one or two of them, you know, integrating our technology into their products and applications. Interesting. I could see there's just like quite literally an infinite number of applications across all the different industries. It's basically here's what you could already do, but now you can do it without a battery. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's fascinating because there's so many times like you're you'll cut the install that da- install cost down for certain companies that are you know building IoT solutions right because they won't have to run wires and do other things that they might need to do otherwise need to do yeah that's pretty cool man I, yeah. I I love what you're doing how did you find out about this opportunity yeah actually I was recruited so I was <laughs> at the last place I was working a recruiter who I'd never met before she actually left a voicemail for me at work, and which was, huh. I thought, pretty bold. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, at, at the time, I was kind of in, in between things. And I was actually working with a couple of other guys that I'd worked with before, and, and we were brainstorming on uh, starting a new company. So I was kind of in that space of, of looking for the next challenge. They had other things going on in life that were just way more important than what we were working on. So it was just really great timing. And so she kind of left a brief description in the voicemail. And so I called her back and yeah, that's how it happened. Nice. And so now you're the head of the engineering there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very cool. How many people are in engineering at the company? Right now we have close to 50 engineers on the team. Oh, cool. So you're getting to that point where you're figuring out how to communicate to all of these people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One of the, maybe the fun parts and and one of the challenges is that we have so many different disciplines. So, you know, a third of them are focused on the designing chips and SOCs. Uh, We have some developers, you know, building the electronics and the mechanical designs around them. We do like compliance with wireless standards and hazardous locations. It's like its own world. And then yeah, we have firmware engineers and embedded Linux software engineers and cloud <laughs> developers. And each of them, you know, are experts in their own field. You know, some of them you know, might have started when they were 11. They've been doing this, you know, for 30 years. You know, they're, they're professionals. So that's the challenge, right? It's like recognizing, appreciating the expertise of each of those disciplines, 
but it's, it's part of the fun. Like I love, I love that about engineering, like all the, the various backgrounds and sort of journeys that each of them might've been on to get to where they are today. Like some of them, they've studied music as a PhD or, you know, they didn't start in engineering at all. And that's one of the things that I find really valuable. You know, maybe they never went to college, you know, they just went straight into engineering. And, you know, once, once you have a few years of experience, like that doesn't, you know, that kind of doesn't matter anymore. And, and so we've had all, you know, we have kind of all of that, there's that diversity of, of backgrounds. Nice. I definitely think that what you're doing is is like super cool. I've gotten to to experience some of these systems, but not not as a practitioner, just being nearby. And I've always thought it was really, really cool, you know, seeing them soldering and all that stuff. It's like that is so neat. But yeah. I, I personally just never got into it. And then I started to see some of the kits come out on Amazon for like your kids and, and things of that nature. And I have kids now. And so I was like, hurry up and get old kids uh, because I want to, I want to, I think when they're like seven or eight, they'll be into it, but they're like five and three right now. So it's not, not, not the right time. Yeah. I love, I love embedded systems and uh, yeah, it's been a a big part of my career. All right. So as we wrap up, what's the, what's the call to action? Go buy the kit, go play with the self-serve kit. Where do they do that? Yeah. So you can go to everactive.com and you can purchase it directly from us. And yeah, the, the call to action is that, you know, this is real, you know, you can go and build a sensor that doesn't need batteries and can communicate wirelessly today. You know, that, that technology is no longer a future reality is something that you can, can do now. That is so cool, man. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.